Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. All right, let's get right to it, guys, because we got a lot to get to in this hour of show. Huge night last night. Manny Pacquiao, Adrian Broner, UFC debuting on ESPN slash ESPN Plus. A lot to dive into, so let's get right to it. I want to start off with the boxing from last night with Adrian Broner versus Manny Pacquiao uh, because it was pretty clear, cut, and dry. And then I figured we could get into the uh, the UFC because there's a lot more avenues to go that way. It was a very complex card last night. A lot of different things going in a lot of different directions, so... Uh, I'll say this with the Manny Pacquiao versus Adrian Broner fight. Not a great fight. It really it wasn't it wasn't thrilling uh, at all. And Manny Pacquiao went in there. He TCB'd. He did what he was supposed to do against Adrian Broner. And I thought really only gave you a, a, a couple, maybe three moments of really thrilling vintage Manny Pacquiao in that ring. Um, you know, for my money. Probably one of the more boring Manny Pacquiao fights. I know Adrian Broner can do that to a lot of the, a, a lot of people, but from Manny's standpoint, this was a matchup that was tailor made for him. He was going in there against a guy who loses on the big stage, who doesn't throw a lot in in, in his opponent's direction. Uh, I thought the best part of Manny's night really probably was his defense because I thought Adrian had a very inaccurate night, did a lot of home run hitting, and 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 couldn't touch Manny Pacquiao very much, say for a couple of times at the end of rounds or maybe catching him one uh, at the start of rounds. But for the most part, Pacquiao dictated the pace. Pacquiao threw more. Pacquiao had the more damaging shots. He had the more wow moments of the fight. The one thing that also bothered me about Manny, and, you know, I've been trying to fight off this. Uh, he's 40. He's not the same guy, which obviously no one's no one at that age is going to be what they were in their prime. But I, I thought that for a while it's been oversold. I'm a huge Manny Pacquiao uh, zealot, I, I I ride for that guy. Um, he's one of my favorite boxers of all time. But one of the things that I have been bothered about by Manny Pacquiao in the twilight of his career is when I feel like he has proven his point in a fight when he really gets that opponent in danger and looks like he's he's shown that I am the better boxer, I am the supreme fighter. He lets up. He lets up a lot, and I was hoping coming off the Lucas Matisse fight that we were going to get a little bit of the old Manny Pacquiao, that killer instinct, the guy who was going to go in there and go for the finish, and I know Matisse is not anywhere close to the dangerous fighter that he was, but even still, it was nice to see Manny Pacquiao still have that switch to go after a guy. And with and with this fight with Adrian Broner, that moment came in the seventh round. Manny Pacquiao looked like he was going to have Adrian Broner uh, almost out of there, and Adrian Broner is not an easy guy to finish. Nobody stops Adrian Broner, but... 
it looked like Manny was finally going to step on the gas and, and put him out there of a guy who really wasn't throwing back. And I do feel like if he put him in that position, a ref might have been willing to go in there and stop it. But typical of Pacquiao, again, he had really two huge swings in this fight, the third round and the seventh round. And after both rounds, I would say that Adrian probably had his best rounds right after that. And it's not that Adrian had a good night. It's just watching that. It's like, wow, Manny, Manny really let his foot off the gas in both of those rounds after seemingly taking a huge, huge lead in the fight. So uh, I had him winning 10 rounds to two in this, 118-110 overall. Um, the judges had a 117-111. I would say that's probably probably the most accurate because I do think I toiled with, uh, with a couple of the early, early rounds, like one and two. 116-112. Uh, don't don't really see it, uh, but I guess could see the argument for it. And and then there's Adrian Broner. Do you have? Let's get it to Adrian Broner here, uh, Antoine. This was him yesterday afterwards with Jim Gray. There's what I saw. There's what most fans saw. There's what the judges saw. And then there's what Adrian Broner saw. What did you think about the fight? What you? I beat him. Everybody out there know I beat him. Everybody out there know I beat him. I controlled the fight. He was missing. I hit him clean more times. I beat him. You averaged eight punches. Less than eight punches was the most punches that you had in the round, and it seemed as though you couldn't get it close like, enough. It already sounded like it was against me. So I already ain't, I already, I already ain't got a fair facts. shake talking to you. But let me talk something. Let me let y'all know. I want to thank the whole hood who came out here. I love y'all. I did this for the hood. Y'all know I beat that boy. Y'all know I beat that boy. They trying to, what they trying to do is they trying to get that money again with Pacquiao and um, Floyd, but it's cool. I ain't worrying about it. I'm still that man. I'm on top Cincinnati. Stand up. West side. Two, five. You're three, three, and one in your last seven fights. What will you do next? Hey, I'm three, three, and one in my last seven, but I'll be seven, no against you. Well, that wouldn't mean much. That's the end of this interview. Jim Gray, by the way, I mean, we, Showtime has to cool it on the Jim Gray. I got to be honest with you, like good burn by Jim Gray, uh, solid, solid dig, but he's everywhere in these damn fights. And, and he's a bully. This guy won't let, let Floyd Mayweather just watch the damn fight. Floyd's just trying, like he's bothering him during every fight. He's like, Floyd, how do you have it? Floyd's like, all right, Jim. Uh, I got it four rounds to one. Like, don't you have a guy? Like if I was Floyd Mayweather, don't you got, don't you have Farhood? Don't you have a guy who does this, who scores the fight? So they do that during the Badu Jack Marcus Brown fight. Then they do it during the Pacquiao fight. He's like, hey, Floyd, how do you have it? <sighs> All right, Jim, I got it. Four rounds to one, Manny Pacquiao. All right. Are you going to fight him? If you, He's like, hey, can we finish the fight, Jim Gray? Excuse me? What? But he can't do that because Jim Gray is like, you know, he's there. He's co-promoting, so he can't freak out on Jim Gray. So then they're in the midst of uh, the post the post fight interviews and Manny Pacquiao. He's like, ah, you know, he's he's his very cordial Manny Pacquiao stuff. Yes, you know, I'd like to fight Floyd Mayweather if he would do it. And if he comes out of retirement, please come back in the ring. Um, and then so Jim Gray's like, what do you say to that, Floyd? We got ourselves a camera on you. And Floyd just like looks at the camera. He's like, what? Huh? No, Jim Gray, you're not going to negotiate this. So. I will say this, coming off of that fight, um, I would say that I am one of the people that wanted to see Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather again because 
I was hoping for that first fight so bad for so many years, and it was such a disappointment. I just want to see it again so it's not as bad a taste in my mind, thinking there's no way it could be worse. Um, but after seeing Manny yesterday, I guess it could get worse. He's slower. He's just not the He's not the same. Ex, uh, the, the explosion's not quite there. I know Adrian's a tough dude to hit. He's a tough guy to hit clean. You got him a couple times in that fight. Uh, I thought Manny's defense was pretty solid. Um, I would say maybe even fighting Floyd, there's a little bit less risk of, of getting caught with something big. But, man, I don't know. I, 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 I'm kind of with uh, with Mrs. Pacquiao on this one. Uh, after watching him last night, maybe just one more for Manny, and that's it. And if that is Floyd Mayweather, cool, because at least get to go out with a huge, huge payday. Um, seeing the rest of these dudes, you know... If I were to go against, if I, th- these were the guys, if I if I were to see Manny go against somebody young, I'd like to see him against somebody like, you know, if Lomachenko wanted to come up and weigh, and those guys fought at like 140, uh, a Mikey Garcia, something like that. I'd be interested in seeing that. Uh, Terrence Crawford, I think, would absolutely bludgeon him. Same with Errol Spence. I don't want to see Manny get crushed. Um, but. Yeah, watching him yesterday, I'm a huge Manny Pacquiao fan. I wasn't impressed by that, and I was very disappointed seeing Manny have that fight in the bag and then let off the gas again. It's what cost him against Jeff Horn, Jeff Horn even though I still think that fight was a robbery. It, it Him letting off the gas on Jeff Horn is exactly what led to him getting screwed. You could say, even back at the Tim Bradley fight, even if that was, even with that being one of the worst robberies of all time, having Tim Bradley beat, taking his foot off the gas. He, he really has been a guy that is just not that seek-and-destroy killer that he was back in his prime, um, you know, when he wasn't holier than thou with the religion and all that stuff. He's just too nice. And it just, it's, 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 I don't think that guy's ever going to come back. And he shouldn't, it's, he's 40 years old. He's still one of the best of all time. He's still giving me more thrills than a lot of, fighters have watching him in his prime but yeah that was not that was not something that said hey is this the next guy you want to see fight Floyd Mayweather not really not really I wasn't I I can't say I was sold on that last night so uh, congrats to Manny on the win I wouldn't be surprised if they still do Floyd next because hell um, at this point what does make sense for those two guys probably them fighting each other neither one of them are going to fight any of these these dudes in their prime, neither one of them are going to fight the best guys pound for pound on the planet. Hell, Floyd was fighting a mixed martial artist and a kickboxer his last go-around. But I will say this. Floyd's no dummy. And I don't know how many pay-per-views Manny Pacquiao sold yesterday with the idea that he was fighting Floyd Mayweather. I think this one probably did pretty good. Manny was back in America. Uh, Adrian is, is a very popular fighter as far as people tuning in to watch him so i wouldn't be surprised if this if this pay-per-view event did very well at like a you know like a half million but the problem with it is okay now you have to wonder well, what what is the carryover going to be this for manny pacquiao and i, I just can't imagine you are going to trick people into paying a hundred dollars to watch those two fight again after what went down the first time it's just got such a bad taste in everybody's mouth the only this is the only suitable way I could see it going down, and I don't think this is even possible. But having it broadcast on CBS, 
something like that. Manny versus Floyd on broadcast television. Give them both huge guarantees. Sell the hell out of advertising. I can't imagine even a million people being into buying that. I can't imagine that doing a million million buys after watching Manny last night. And, you know, just how the first fight went down. So those are my thoughts on last night. Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather. When we get back, UFC, a lot of crazy stuff happening. The championship fight ending in controversy. Greg Hardy losing in controversy. Donald Cerrone getting a win and then having a huge call out afterwards. We'll get to all that when we come back on Fighters Fury after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, guys. Tobin here with you. Fighters Fury rolls on. So let's get to ESPN's UFC debut last night. Very, very interesting card. A lot of twists and turns. I wouldn't say the most entertaining night of fights, um, but an interesting night of fights. Uh, I'll work our way back. Let's start with the championship bout between Henry Cejudo versus TJ Dillashaw. Did not last very long, but obviously ended in some controversy. I didn't find it being that controversial watching it in in live time, though. Um, Henry Cejudo steamrolls over TJ Dillashaw, drops him a few times, uh, ends up being in a bit of a sprawl, but it was, you know, from the ref standpoint, I know the guy was inexperienced and uh, not your typical Herb Deans, Dan Mergliatas, or anybody like that, Mark Goddard, one of those individuals. Um, but Henry Cejudo, I thought, laid it on TJ Dillashaw pretty strongly. And it's easy for TJ Dillashaw to get up and be upset because somebody stepped in between you, stopped the action, and so you do get to pop up fresh. You're not in danger anymore. Uh, You can't be struck upon anymore and to feel like, oh, I still had it in me to come back. It's very easy to say that. And I know that um, people who probably were expecting TJ to win, I know I was. I picked him in my Doom picks uh, on Tobin, Leroy, and Beast earlier this week. It's very easy to look at that situation, think he pops right back up after getting clipped a few times and think, oh, no, 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 he would have been fine. We never think about the fact that, oh, it could have gotten worse. It could have been the fact that Henry could have still laid it on you because he was putting it on you for the first 30 seconds of that fight. And we know TJ has come back strong. He has been uh, – he, he was able to come back from a huge shot against Cody Garbrandt to come back and knock him out. So you know that TJ is durable. Here's where the question has to bring in the uh, – we have to bring in the question of the weight cut. Now, if you listen to this show, you know I was not a fan of this whole idea of TJ Dillashaw cutting weight to just go get a belt. The killing the flyweight division, the idea of just wiping out 125, and the idea that TJ wasn't going to stay there. You know, he was going to win this belt just to have a belt and then just move on. And it's like, all right, so he's going in here and he's and he's beating the scale more so than he's beating the opponent? Is that like the storyline here? What 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 are we doing? And so I was mostly of the opinion, like, I don't find this to be that impressive of a feat. I'm not saying that uh, cutting weight isn't the hardest part of the sport. In many ways, it is, and it's very debilitating. But I was always kind of looking at it from the perspective of, okay, TJ Dillashaw beat a 125-er. So what? He's the reigning 135 champion. What does that mean? In, in the grand scheme of things, like if we're going to look across the landscape of people who are double champs, champ champs, the, 
everybody who's following this fad of collecting belts, this one would be the least impressive to me. I got to be honest with you. Even realizing how scary it was and seeing the photos that came out from ESPN, TJ Dillashaw going down to 125 to beat the flyweight champion of the world didn't do much for me. Even when it was Mighty Mouse Johnson, it didn't do anything for me. Um, I thought Mighty Mouse made a lot of good points. Like It's a f- cool story when Mighty Mouse goes up because Mighty Mouse is the longest reigning champion of all time. When he decides to go up, that's the story. Not TJ Dillashaw, who just got his belt back going down. Uh, same thing with John Jones. You know, if John Jones were like, I'm going to go cut to middleweight, boys. What? No, we've always wanted you to go to heavyweight. Middleweight? What is that? No, I wouldn't want John Jones to do that. Um, and so in all of that, I never even considered the ramifications of this. Hey, what if... TJ Dillashaw puts so much on his body cutting to 125 that he doesn't have the hydration in his brain to take shots from Henry Suda, who is a big 125er, and gets cleaned up because the ramifications are now you have a bantamweight champion that just got knocked the bleep out by a 125er. I don't want to hear about early stoppages. I don't want to hear about the ref bailing anybody out. None of that nonsense. It, the fight was 25 seconds long, and you spent most of that on the canvas by your own admission taking shots that weren't that big. He said in the post-fight press conference, I took shots way worse against Cody and popped up. Well, why do you think you didn't take those shots as good? Do you think it that you slipped? Was there a banana peel? Henry Cejudo was like, yeah, I could push him down like it was nothing. He spent so much wear and tear Getting to this weight, he wasn't the same guy. You can't say that's the same guy that fought Cody Garbrandt. You can't say that's the same guy that beat Henan Burrell or John Lineker or put those fantastic performances together. That's not. It's not the same TJ Dillashaw. You got diminished returns. You got a proc that wasn't as good. And you have a stupid situation now here where you have a division in 125. Nobody knows if it's going to stick around or not. Dana won't commit to it. He'll tell you right now that Greg Hardy's going to fight next week. But he won't tell you whether or not a bunch of guys on his roster are going to fight next week. It's crazy to me. It's crazy. Right now, you have a guy in Henry Cejudo who just knocked out one of your pound-for-pound best fighters. You can't build around that. Your promotion has a serious problem. All right? If you need Greg Hardy in the freak show that comes with it, all the allegations, all the cloud, an entire arena booing him, fine. I get it. I'm not I'm not one who's not a, above realizing that the extra peripherals of of fight promotion can help draw eyeballs. But you're telling me you can't take a guy in Henry Cejudo, an Olympic gold medalist, you can't take that and promote that into anything. You can't can't build a division around that. There's something seriously wrong with your promotion skills. You can't just blame it on little people because you can't tell me in the minds of the public there's a huge difference between 135 and 125. There's not. Maybe there wasn't something that caught on with Mighty Mouse Johnson. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. He also dominated the division, beat everybody twice over. You kind of just ran out of bodies. George St. Pierre did the same damn thing. The only difference was George St. Pierre had all of Canada behind him, and we know that Americans don't get behind their fighters like other countries do. But this idea that you can't promote that and save the 125 division or that they can't put on entertaining fights, that's crazy to me because right now, that little dude just beat your 135-pound champ, a guy who was chirping about all week. I'm not gonna be, I'm not only gonna beat Henry Cejudo, then I'm gonna go up and beat Max Holloway. What? 
What are we talking? Okay, so the guy's gotten clipped and put down by Cody Garbrandt. The guy's got put down by the 125-pound champion. What the hell is Max Holloway going to do to him? What's he going to do? Uh, look, I, TJ's excellent. He's a really good fighter. But what 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 kind of road is this? You're, oh, I'm just going to hop here and hop here. I'm going to be the triple champ. Come on, man. Triple champ nothing. Go defend your belt. Go defend it against 125ers. Have Henry Cejudo defend his belt against 125ers. Let's get back to some normalcy, all right? This whole fad of the champ champ thing. It's so non-organic. You know, Conor McGregor's done a lot of great things for this sport. I know people get a little bit tired of the fact that he gets exceptions to everybody else's rules, but there's a reason for that. He draws crazier numbers than anybody else. He has done things first that other people haven't, and the guy just is is just doing it in a wildly much more organic and entertaining way. And for from from this perspective, I I just everybody going to collect these belts all over the place. Like, what are we doing? You're making a cluster bleep all over this promotion. And T.J. Dillashaw yesterday getting rocked by the 125-pound champion just to add another belt on his mantle when he gets another belt anyway if he just defends his belt at 135. It's just weird to me. Weird, bad idea all around, and it came to bite them in the ass. Now, let's get to the uh, the co-main event. Greg Hardy. Okay. Greg Hardy takes on Alan Crowder in the main event. He's getting booed like hell. This entire week, also, this dealt with some poor judgment on the UFC's part. Having Greg Hardy fight on the same card as Rachel Osovich. I'm not against the UFC having Greg Hardy on their roster. Okay, have Greg Hardy on your roster. But the idea that you have it so blatantly high in the card just to have everybody kind of peek in and see the freak show when he is nowhere near a co-main event fighter was lunacy. All right? Here's a couple of things that just came off as really insincere and uncomfortable. You have two fights previous to Greg fighting this Rachel Ostovich, who they are telling the story about her in the hospital bed just suffering a beatdown from her husband Thinks she's off the card, not going to fight, not going to get this big showcase with Paige Van Zandt. This was the first fight. Paige Van Zandt, Rachel Austin, first fight that was booked on this card for this new ESPN platform. Thinks she's not going to fight. In the meanwhile, you put this Greg Hardy on. And this card, I got to be honest with you, was going to be a rousing success and a lot of people tuning in on ESPN Plus with or without Greg Hardy. I, I, I for the life of me, the, the, a huge fan of this promotion can't understand that people watched him in the UFC headquarters and said, that guy is ready for prime time. I can't. Dana White comes out there afterwards and Lord knows, he's seen a lot more fights than I have. And has built a lot more stars than I ever will. But this is all his, his idea. When you tune in that Dana White Tuesday night contender series, you couldn't. You've never seen Dana White smile like he smiled when he when he saw Greg Hardy knock these mother bleepers out in this streaming show. 
All right? This is his baby. He loves that show. He wants this guy to be the grand uh, trophy that came out of this show. And I know Greg Hardy's training at an excellent gym. I know that he has excellent coaches. I know that people that train for him vouch for him. I'm sure he's working his ass off. I know he's living in the dorms. He's putting everything he can into this fight life. But that being said, he's been doing this for about two years. He was not meant for that stage. Co-main event on the, the you're all prancing around ESPN. We're finally accepted by the mainstream. We're finally we're finally arrived, everybody. And you're putting a freak show in the co-main event. Greg Hardy, his best skill set is his power, his explosion. He's got this grand athleticism, an all-pro defensive lineman. And you can see that skill set. It looks scary when he's throwing bombs at you. But that scariness dwindles down a great deal as the fight goes past the first minute, as the fight goes into the third minute, as the fight ends the first round. And you had it so much so that his opponent was mocking him in the next round, screaming at him, throw your punches, because he knew the dude was gassed, couldn't get to him, wasn't going to do anything to him. And then on top of that, Greg Hardy throws one of the most blatant illegal, illegal knees you'll ever see. Horrible. Dude's knee, dude looks like he's at the... It would be like if Tom Brady was taking a knee to end the game. That's how decisive this knee was on the canvas. And Greg Hardy blasts him in the temple with the knee, putting Crowder on the canvas while the guy was about, while Greg Hardy was about to pounce on him again. Doesn't even realize how crazy illegal this was. And was about to pounce him. The ref had had to tackle Greg Hardy because of how blatant it was. And he was going to follow up with more punishment. So, he cheated. He was going to make the cheating even worse. Gets disqualified. Is booed out of the building. Clearly not ready for prime time. Dana White's like, oh. He he got put on the ground and, and, and got... This Alan Crowder's not a wrestler. Daniel Cormier is saying this in the meantime. He's like, wow. You know, this Alan Crowder, that's not really his forte, but good takedowns by him. He's taking him down with ease, man. Ease. And that is, that is a fringe fighter, Alan Crowder, on the UFC roster. Just got cleaned up by Justin Willis easily. Not, not, not a great gas tank on him. He was on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. He nearly passed out on his opponent while having full mount. This is not a quality guy that Greg Hardy had to cheat against. And so, like, where do we go from here with Greg Hardy at this point? You, you still want – because Dana White is – throwing him out there just for an attraction right like just a ratings boost he's not ready he's not ready for that level he's not ready for prime time he's how far away do you think that guy is from being a contender like let's be honest with all the stuff that comes with greg hardy right the the domestic violence the conviction that was dropped because of appeal because the the woman wouldn't show up all that stuff that you have to deal with on top of the fact that you have domestic violence survivors on your same roster you, you know, they're touting about Rachel Ostovich's strength and her 
her her unbelievable perseverance and how she survived her husband beating on her. Also, by the way, coming up at the co-main event, Greg Hardy. The crowd's booing the hell out of them. They're chanting bleep hole, bleep hole, although they are not chanting bleep. You can I just can't legally say what they were saying on the air. All of this stuff just puts such a negative light on your sport, which is supposed to be getting this coronation into mainstream. And this is what you're offering in the co-main event. What do you think this guy is going to end up being? Do you think that Greg Hardy, in his in your heart of hearts, do you think Greg Hardy ever has a chance to be heavyweight champ of the world? Do you think he ever has a chance to be a number one contender? Any of this? Like, could he go in there? Do you legitimately think that he would have any shot out of a lucky punch of beating Stipe Miocic, Francis Ngannou? Derek Lewis, Daniel Cormier, any of these dudes who have actual veteran top-notch UFC experience because there's a lot of athletic dudes in the UFC. And I will give you NFL all-pro defensive end, that's next-level athletic. But he also needs that fight gas tank, man, and that ain't there yet. That ain't there yet, and it doesn't even look close. And all I'm saying is, I'm not saying, look, don't cut him, but for the love of God, Put him on the ESPN plus plus prelims for a little while before he actually looks ready because he looks nowhere near ready. And Dana White is like, oh, he's like, I mean, what I learned tonight was Greg Hardy could fight. You did? Where? Because he got up off a takedown of a guy who's not a wrestler? His best move was cheating. What? How could you, how could you sit up there on that podium? And say, I learned that this dude could fight tonight. How could you say that? How? It's because he wants him to work out. He wants him to be the the crown jewel that he found on his stupid reality show. We're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury. Got to talk about this. This co-main event yesterday on the Pacquiao card. Marcus Brown beating Badu Jack for the light heavyweight title, or the interim light heavyweight title. That cut that Badu Jack fought through. And Badu Jack's one of my favorites. I love that. I, I love that dude. Um, what? You guys got to go see this on his Instagram page. It's crazy. At Badu Jack. The, the cut on his forehead that he got from a, a, a headbutt was one of the nastiest you'll ever see. It looked, it was pouring so much blood, and they had to check it multiple times. It looked afterwards, if you would have seen Tony Weeks, the referee, looked like he just murdered somebody. Like, if you, if Tony Weeks was just in the middle of the night and they caught him with that shirt that he had covered in blood, they're like, oh, Tony Weeks just got done burying a body. That guy's a murderer. That's how much blood was gushing out of the forehead of Badu Jack. Shout out to Marcus Brown for getting the win, but man, the, the the to me even even more so than Marcus Brown's performance was Badu Jack that that toughness that he showed getting through that. I don't even know the oily blood going into his face, the crimson mask that he had. I don't even know how he continued. Crazy, absolute absolute guts. Somebody text in on the NunezLaw.com text line six seven nine seven four. Tobin Adrian Broner is so done. Hope he goes away now. I don't think Adrian Broner is ever going to go away because he's too big of a draw. Um, he'll always get people to tune in to watch him. 
him in that delusion that he shows Jim that he tells Jim Gray afterwards. He's like, I won. Everybody's like, what? You did. And then he's, you know, and he spins it on Jim Gray. He's like, you're just against me. And, you know, look, we, Adrian Broner just wants the people, Adrian Broner just wants the people to love him, man. When we had him on the show, he's just like, and I told Adrian Broner very insincerely on my part where I was like, ah, we're rooting for you, which I am rooting for Adrian Broner. Not necessarily against Manny Pacquiao, who's one of my favorite fighters of all time, but it's just like, hey, he's training down here. I like guys who, who train down here, and it would be a cool story for Adrian to win. There's no doubt about it. Like, the win yesterday for Manny Pacquiao, I think it it only it does less than nothing. I almost felt like it had a, a a a negative outcome for him because I just didn't feel like he looked that great. Um, if Adrian would have won that fight, I think that's that's a career turner for him. Like he's 29 years old. That would have been absolutely monster. Uh, another texter writes in Tobin. If Manny fought Floyd again and won, wouldn't they have to do a third fight to settle the score? I suppose they would. Uh, I don't know what Manny did yesterday that would leave you to, lead you to believe that he would be able to beat Floyd Mayweather. I don't. I I do think at a different time, I think a prime Manny Pacquiao who was overwhelming, I think could have given Floyd a better challenge. If you believe the shoulder stuff, you could add that on top of it if you want to. Um, but as Manny gets older, he gets slower, he throws less, and... I think a better counterpuncher would have given him real problems yesterday. Um, Adrian is a good counterpuncher, but he just doesn't throw enough. But, man, you know, Manny did uh, – look, I uh, honestly, if, if I were to give Manny the, big, the biggest props out of yesterday, I thought it was his defense. They had, he had Adrian hitting like 23% of his shots. Adrian's usually a, a pretty accurate puncher, even though he throws very, very little. Um, but it was impressive yesterday for Manny. I thought it was turning into that. When we got out of that seventh round, I was like, oh, here we go. Manny is about to stop Adrian Broner. That would be a real coup because nobody does it. And didn't really feel like that. It was kind of like same old Manny. Like, I'm, I've proven my point here. I'm a better fighter than Adrian. Let's move on. Let's move on from Manny Pacquiao and Adrian Broner. Um, Cowboy Cerrone. To me, he was the best story of the night. Cowboy Cerrone, and this wasn't even on ESPN Plus. This was on ESPN, and I wanted to. I, I do want to get to the broadcast in a second. Cowboy Cerrone put forth an amazing performance against Alexander Hernandez, who was doing a lot of trash talking going into this, saying, "I'm gonna you, I'm gonna disrespect Donald Cerrone. I'm gonna use his name to build my career." You like a lot of the things from Alexander. He's 26 years old, um, very aggressive fighter, fun fighter. I, I do think that that guy's got something to him. But Donald Cerrone is an OG Mac Daddy. Like, this guy is the real deal. More wins in the UFC than anybody in history. More finishes than anybody in UFC history. Cowboy Cerrone is a fan favorite for a reason. He's an absolute killer. He's back at 155. He puts forth a dominant performance after a fast start by Alexander where he tries to swarm Donald Cerrone, a smart strategy on his standpoint, because if you can bully Donald Cerrone, if you can dictate the pace, you can give him trouble. Try to give him that, that, that kick to the midsection, all the tools. Donald was walking through it like the Terminator, man, and then found his timing, found his, found his range, and he was putting a beating on Alexander Hernandez. Ends up hitting him with a head kick. Hernandez can't take it. Donald pummels him into, into uh, a victory and great performance by him. He's back at 155. He's gunning for that belt, uh, which is uh, which is interesting. 
because this is the most stacked division in the UFC. It really is. I I don't know how Donald even gets through the thicket of this because there's so many guys at 155. It's ridiculous. The, the names I rattle off to you, champion Khabib Nurmagomedov, Tony Ferguson, number one, number two, Conor McGregor, number three, Dustin Poirier, number four, Al- Ally Quinta, number five, Kevin Lee, number six is Edson Barbosa, Justin Gates, she's no slouch, Anthony Pettis, Nate Diaz. We just saw Alexander Hernandez number 11. That's, I mean, it's crazy. Paul Felder's number 14. Like, it's Gregor Gillespie, that guy who fought yesterday. He was absolutely dominant, absolutely dominant in his performance against Yancey Medeiros. That, it is, it is a gauntlet. But Cowboy has a couple of things going for him. One, any fight that he fights is a big deal because of his fame, because he's legend status, he's a fan favorite, people will tune in. And that will always give you a leg up. And two, we've always known that Cowboy Cerrone is championship fight quality. The question has always been, is he championship quality? And it hasn't helped that he does fight in two of the thickest divisions in the, in the sport, 155 and 170, but whenever he's gotten to that level or is a fight away from getting to championship level, always seems to come up short. He always does good against these young killers who look like they're, they're, they're on their way up. He always does good against these guys who are, you know, maybe on their tail end or he's looking to get, you know, settle in at a new spot. But when it gets those elite guys, can he get that win? Can he get that win that's going to take him to that next level? So he's doing this journey again, and it's cool. The story of him being a dad now, um, he's very – I mean, look, one of the th- big moments of that fight when when Alexander Hernandez comes out is t- Donald just takes him down like he was nothing. Um, you really are. He is such a well-rounded fighter. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a lot of weaknesses as far as skill set's concerned. It seems like his weaknesses – and he's talked a lot about this. As crazy a mother bleeper as he is, the, the weaknesses seem to be almost mentality and pace and all that stuff, anxiety of the fight, where he gets in his own head. So the fallout of this fight was, and I think this was the biggest news out of everything last night other than, um, you know, TJ Dillashaw being upset about a, a finish that I saw was pretty as pretty legit. The biggest match, I think, that came out of this was Cowboy getting that performance and then calling out Conor McGregor. And not only calling out Conor McGregor, but getting Conor McGregor to respond and saying, I want that fight. And there's a big question with Conor. What is going to be next for him? What is going to be next for the notorious one, the biggest star in the sport? There was a tweet from him this week with the new UFC belt, which I, I, I'm cool with. I like it. It's, you know, seeing it last night around Henry Cejudo's waist, I was like, I kind of missed the classic. I, I, you know, I was down with it when they first revealed it. I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of cool. I like the change. When I saw it actually in the champion, in the octagon around the champion's waist, I was like, kind of miss the classic belt. I kind of miss, I kind of miss the, the old school one that they've been using. It's just, it's such a staple. It's a beautiful belt. I love the, the UFC belt they just had. Um, so now I see this new one. I'm like, yeah, don't know. I, I, I was down with it when it first came out, but when I saw it in action last night, I'm like, not, not as crazy about it as I thought I was. I digress. Um, they 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 reveal this belt on Friday, and Connor tweets out with a comment on the picture. Okay, I'm back. 
But we've been very steadfast on the show that Connor doesn't deserve a rematch at Khabib right now. He needs a win. He needs something to prove that he's title worthy again because that was the worst beating he's taken inside the octagon and did it in a championship match that I didn't think was very close. And there's so many contenders at 155. I just don't think it's right to hold up the division like that. So what does it mean if Connor goes and beats Cowboy? It's an awesome fight. It is a fan's fight. It's a dream match. And Connor, quite frankly, is not a person who needs the status anymore of a championship to sell a big, big fight. If you were to fight Nate Diaz again in a trilogy, it would be a monster. If you were to fight GSP just for bleeps and giggles, it would be a monster. If he fights Cowboy, it would be a monster seller. He doesn't really need the belt. But we can. But if he beats Cowboy, should that be worthy of getting a title shot when you see all these guys who are there? Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier lost to Conor McGregor at featherweight. But since he's been at lightweight, has been one of the biggest forces in the sport. He deserves a title shot right now. Obviously, the person above him, Tony Ferguson, probably deserves it the most. But if Tony Ferguson couldn't fight for a year, nobody should have any argument that the next guy in line should be Dustin Poirier, not Conor McGregor. I don't care about what happened back in 2012 or whenever the hell that fight was. Dustin has paid his dues. He's beaten everybody. He deserves that fight. After that, Ally Aquinta went the distance with Habib. Gave a better fight against Habib than Conor McGregor did. He also deserves to be in title contention. So when we're looking at this cluster of a top five with Ally Quinta, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, Tony Ferguson, and Kevin Lee's in there, but Kevin Lee, I think, I, I think Kevin Lee needs some workshopping to do uh, because of his loss to Al. Um, to me. If you're going to take Connor out of the picture and he's going to be fighting Dustin Poirier, uh, he's going to be fighting Donald Cerrone, rather, what do you do with Dustin Poirier? Because the only the only thing you can hope for if you wanted a clean solution is that the commission is going to suspend Khabib for a while, so they have to put up an interim belt, and then Dustin can fight Tony for an interim title. That'd be like the only solution that would make any kind of sense and i know there's gonna be plenty of people like dustin poirier i mean that is the least interesting like look i like dustin poirier i think he's an absolute monster he's a fun fighter to watch but i get it he's not the most braggadocious he's not the guy who swaggers out there the most but with all these guys jumping around tj dillashaw shrinking down to 125 you know people going up and fighting for belts and divisions that don't even exist your best division is 155. You should do it the right way. All right. If you're going to hold up anything in this sport as this is the best combat sport in the world, look to 155 and look how good all these guys are. Do it the right way. Because Connor's going to be fine without title shots for a while. Him fighting Donald Cerrone is cool. And if he's going to fight Dustin... 
it's 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 a fight that he's won. So I can understand why Connor's maybe not that into fighting. Dustin Poirier is like, dude, I cleaned him up in a round. I cleaned him up in a round. Why do I have to fight him again? I get it. But if that's the case, if he's not going to fight him, then and and Connor's going to decide I'm going to go fight Cowboy. Well, then the next fight can't be for the title if it's Conor McGregor. Can't be. I'm sorry. It can't be. Because Cowboy is ranked 13th at welterweight. He just went to a new division that he hasn't been in in years. So technically, he's really not ranked. I'm sure he'll be, you know, if he beat the 11th guy. All right, let's say he's a top 10 guy. You know, if 2 beats 10, and I know these rankings are arbitrary, but if 2 beats 10, 10 shouldn't get you a title shot. Dustin should either not have to fight anybody and just be like, listen, Dustin, just wait this out. You're next up in line. Or have Connor and Dustin fight for a true number one contendership. I mean, I'm I'm jonesing for the Cowboy fight too. That is a fun fight. I would love to see the fight promotion between Conor McGregor and Donald Cerrone. But if Conor is going to do the, Dust, uh, do the Donald Cerrone fight, he has to be okay with the fact that the that a title shot does not come after this. That that is not in the cards. So it's an interesting situation. It's a fun fight. I want to see Connor versus Cowboy Cerrone. But also, I do think that if they do make that fight happen, it's almost like Dustin should vault Connor in in any in any title talks at that point. Because you're saying, all right. He, you know, because Dana's thrown out the Don, the Dustin versus Connor thing. Um, I get it. You know, I would get it if I was Connor because I, I I beat him soundly years ago. But even still, um, this is a this is a tight division where the margin for error is very very small, and because of that, any little movement or any little choice you make should affect you in your standing of who gets the next title shot. Everybody have a great rest of your day. You missed any of the show, download the podcast. You can subscribe on radio.com app or on iTunes or wherever podcasts are available. We love you guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, guys, bonus segment. We had a lot to get into from yesterday. Um, Man. All right, so let's finish off on some of the things from yesterday as far as the fallout from the flyweight division. You had Henry Cejudo. He uh, he beats T.J. Dillashaw. This is what I would do if I was the if I was the UFC. I really would go in this direction of having Henry and T.J. away from each other. I don't do immediate rematch. I mean, like, look, man, you lost in thirty seconds. You got your own division that you're supposed to be reigning over, and I just don't. I don't see that as a rematch-worthy fight. I mean, like, look, I told you guys, I wasn't that into the idea of TJ Dillashaw going down to 125 in the first place. Now you're going to tell me that he's got to go fight him at 135. Now you're going to do it? Um, I just think that the UFC should take advantage of, T- of Henry getting this win and building off of him. That should be the, de- the decision they go in, especially if they got this new platform, ESPN, ESPN+. Plus. What I want to get into, though, a little bit is the whole ESPN Plus thing and the streaming service. So um, last night was a night at my household where I had the Pacquiao fight going. So I was pretty reliant on this ESPN Plus working out 
Um, and it was okay. I've had a couple of issues with this whole streaming thing as far as it being consistent. And this has happened with DAZN. This has happened with ESPN+. Plus. So, you know, I... I'm not in love with it right now as far as as being a fight fan. I love the idea of you don't have to pay the premium channels prices, but I really was hoping that these things were going to be good from the jump. And I've had problems with ESPN streaming things for a while on stuff. And it, it baffles me because they are the number one sports brand on earth. I mean, what's bigger than ESPN just as a brand as far as sports is concerned? Um, yeah, the whole streaming thing has been kind of a pain in the ass. I got to be honest with you. Like it, it fades in and out. Um, if, you know, somebody else in my house is streaming something like it's like it feels like it's 2011. Like it feels like these guys should be up cooking running ready to go should be no issues and it's just not the case plenty of times where there's buffering there's plenty of times where it frizzes out you just don't get that with a television broadcast you know uh, save the the rare nights when it's uh you know a really crappy day i have direct tv and the satellite goes out it's it's a pain in the ass and i don't understand why it happens on these platforms because you know it rarely happens with the heat like i use fox sports go a lot you know, every once it'll be fuzzy, but for the most part, it's one of the better apps out there to use. Um, but ESPN, man, it's it's just it's not fantastic with the whole streaming thing. It really, it never has been. Uh, it's better on a lap, on a on an iPad than it is on my MacBook Pro. Um, and I had the two TV set up yesterday, so what I did was, I don't have my my main TV had uh, had the Pacquiao Broner pay-per-view on because that's what's set up with my direct tv and then the other one i have my other tv i bring out from the garage which is not a smart tv but it is hd so i um i hook up an hdmi cable to that so it's coming through my laptop and yeah the the streaming wasn't fantastic a lot it got it fritzed out about the i want to say the dustin ortiz dennis bermudez fight Dustin Ortiz, uh, Joseph Benavides fight, excuse me. Um, and it was out for like a good, I don't know, 10 minutes. It's terrible. I got it to work on my iPad, but I like, I fired up a separate browser, all that stuff. Um, and yeah, I've had these issues with the zone too, where, you know, the zone will be cooking, cooking. And all of a sudden Fritz is out. The thing that drove me nuts about the zone was, this happened during a Bellator broadcast where it just kicked all the way back on a card. And, like, it's Bellator, dude. I don't know who, who some of these guys are on the super undercard of Bellator. on a, So I don't know where I was in the card. And I had to, like, go follow Twitter to see where I was. Um, so overall, this is what I would say. I think the ESPN Plus thing is going to get better. Uh, I, I kind of just want it to be, if it's going to be on ESPN, though, just be on ESPN. I don't want this idea of... You know, it's got to jump from plus to ESPN to plus. Just keep it on ESPN plus. It's annoying that I got to jump back and forth. Um, so, yeah, that that was my experience from it. I'm not in love with the streaming stuff yet. I know they say it's the wave of the future, but the future ain't perfect right now. Um, 
couple of other notes. Demetrius Andrade on the zone. I was watching it against Arthur uh, Ak- uh, Akavov. Akavov. He uh, he stopped him in the 12th round. He wants Triple G next, Andrade. Uh, I'd be into that fight. They also announced this week Canelo Alvarez against Danny Jacobs is going to be on zone May 4th. I'm into that fight. I love Danny Jacobs. I think he's going to give uh, Canelo some issues. I know people have said that he's aged a little bit, but getting you know name me a fight Danny Jacobs has been in where it's uh, it hasn't been trouble for the other guy. I'll wait. So that's going to be uh, it's going to be a hell of a bout. I'm looking forward to that on Cinco de Mayo weekend. Eddie Hearn says that Anthony Joshua's next opponent is likely going to be announced next week. It's looking like it's going to be Jarrell Miller. Uh, I'm interested in seeing what Big Baby can do against Anthony Joshua. Talk about a clash of bodies. One is big, beefy, um, throws a ton of punches uh, from a lot of different angles. Not the most powerful guy, especially for a dude who's 300-plus pounds. You would expect him to be more devastating with the knockout power, but he's not, not a slouch with the power. Um, would like to see what kind of risks AJ takes in that fight. I think it's a good charismatic opponent to put him against. And we'll be interesting to watch that one. What else we got? Next week, we got Jaime Munguia against Takeshi Inu for Munguia's WBO Junior Middleweight Championship. Uh, that's on zone as well. I think Munguia is going to win that one. Keith Thurman returns next week against Josecito Lopez for Thurman's WBA Welterweight Championship. It's been a while for Keith Thurman. Rash of injuries that have gotten through him. Um, I like him to win that fight, though. And we'll see how he is to, you know, if Keith Thurman can look impressive, it's it, it'll be good to have another body at welterweight that really, uh, really is amongst the uh, the elite. Um, you know, you're talking about Keith one time Thurman. He's another guy that's kind of like as the fame and the opponents have gotten tougher. We haven't seen that devastating knockout power that that people really became in love with and infatuated with with Keith. Um, so that'll be an interesting one to watch. Bellator is going to have the wrap-up to their Grand Prix next week. Ryan Bader against Fedor. I don't have a great feel for this fight because Fedor can always catch somebody coming in. But Bader has been so smooth in this entire tournament. He's been so good since getting to Bellator. I'm going to go with Bader to get the win there. And Aaron Pico is coming back next week. He's in the co-main against Henry Corrales. Aaron Pico is very, very fun to watch. If you guys are into watching a young fighter, I think he's 4-1 now. Uh, would highly recommend checking him out. And then Jake Hager, he's a.k.a. Jack Swagger of WWE fame. He is making his Bellator debut against J.W. Kaiser. So you guys could check that out if you're my old WWE fans into watching Jack Swagger getting in there and getting after it. Uh, that's about it, everybody, from yesterday. I'm trying to think. Any other points I want to make off of the fights from yesterday? Um, Paige Van Zant, good win for her. Felt good for her. Uh, felt uh, bad for Rachel because Rachel was fighting great in that fight. But, um, you know, Paige is in this position now where I think that She's only 24. I mean, that's pretty crazy. When they threw up the tail of the table, I was like, man, she is. Paige Van Zandt's kind of been in our eyesight here for a while as far as fight fans. So the fact that she's only 24 still has a lot of growing to do. She's had some pretty brutal injuries. You know, the only question you have with Paige is, you know, obviously that she's one of the most marketable fighters in the UFC. She's part of every commercial. Um, I would just say with her, like, 
are the opportunities going to get so big that the fighting thing is going to uh, get swallowed up? But uh, but she's so tough. I mean, that's the one thing with Paige. You would think with that with that little frame and that and that uh you know chipper attitude that she has that she'd be too sweet for this. But man, she is a little badass. Not the not the what's the way I want to say this? She's not the most well-rounded in the world. She's not the uh, she doesn't have. I think I don't think I don't think Paige has a go-to skill set that we know about. You know, she has that devastating head kick at Beck Rollins. She's very athletic. You know, Paige is very, very athletic, and she's very tough. You know, that's why I find it weird with, like, when Dana's yesterday, like, oh, you know, Greg Hardy showed he could fight. It's like, well, you know, he, th- he threw bombs. He, he could throw bombs. I'm not, I'm not trying to say, like, you know, Greg Hardy's not scary to a lot of people standing across the ring. But when he actually gets in there with dudes who... This this is just the way I'd put it with 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 my thoughts on that fight. If he didn't cheat, do you think that he was going to win that fight? Questionable that that first round was very questionable. If you like the early strikes, all right, Greg Hardy. I thought that with Alan Crowder being on top, I thought he won the round. Um, I thought Greg came out very strong in the second round, looked good, but. It started, I thought that the taunting got to him. Do you think that he was going to end up winning that fight? And how is that power going to carry? And how is that accuracy? And he wasn't very accurate with his shots. You know, I just think that there's a lot of dudes who can knock dudes out. And I don't feel like, I don't feel like Greg Hardy's going to have this great mainstream appeal. I could be wrong, um, but it almost felt like, because here's what I mean. Like, Dana felt like he was, um, you know, he's like, oh, we murdered every number. Okay, cool. Did you murder every number because of Greg Hardy? I don't think so. Now, look, I'm not trying to say Greg Hardy doesn't have some uh, circus ten appeal. I, the only two times I can think of tuning into UFC Fight Pass in the last couple of years have been to watch Greg Hardy fight because I was curious. I was like, all right. This guy's been training down here. Uh, I've seen some of his amateur fights. What is he going to do on this stage with Dana White giving him this opportunity? And, um, you know, he obviously that devastating knockout against former Jacksonville Jaguar, Austin Lane. Shout out to Austin Lane. Uh, And then the other dude, you know, but Austin Lane was kind of just like him, as green as a get, ex-football player. You know, uh... (laughs) so kind of on his skill level, kind of on his experience level. I don't remember the, uh, the other guy that he fought, but you know, Alan had more experience. Alan was a guy who had been knocked out earlier. Doesn't have the best cardio. I just think that what is the ceiling for this Greg Hardy thing? Like, is it really worth all the headaches and all everybody having to uh, say, Hey, you know, uh, what about Greg? I do think this. I think that the outrage of Greg Hardy will subside. You know, as even Floyd Mayweather dealt with this when uh, you know his domestic violence issues really came back out to light. The fight, uh, I believe, it was the Pacquiao fight with the whole Ray Rice thing going down. Um, the thing that bothers me about it is I just wish that 
the UFC stance wasn't so, we don't care about other people's opinions, so bleep off. It's like, you don't say you don't care about other people's opinions, because you obviously do. Just say, like, I just wish they were part, like, Dana White kept saying this all week. Well, Greg Hardy's paid his dues, which is a stupid thing to say, because that means that he's uh, he's been toiling around, and it's like, he hasn't paid his dues, he's paid his debt to society, which he has, you know, he's publicly uh he publicly dealt with the shame of the whole domestic violence incident he lost one of his nfl jobs over it and he got a new nfl job over it you know that's one thing he didn't get kicked out of the nfl because of this he got kicked out of the nfl because he had a lot of issues with the cowboys missing meetings um i think there were reports of uh, drug use and stuff like that you know just wasn't taking it seriously and just fell out and then found fighting so it's not like he was banned for it's not a Ray Rice situation. He wasn't banned from the NFL because of the whole domestic violence cloud over him. So from that standpoint, if I'm Dana White, I'm like, look, the NFL gave him another opportunity. He paid his suspension with the NFL. Um, I think he should be allowed to be a professional athlete if I think he's good enough to be a professional athlete. That I'm totally fine with. And I would be fine with that explanation. The point where he's like, he's paid, you know, he's paid his dues. You know, he's, uh, he, I don't care about what other people think. It's like, first of all, nobody cares about what people think more than Dana White. It's the bold-faced lie. The guy, the, guy, uh, the guy goes after anybody who has any petty opinion of him. Remember when he had like a huge rant against Brendan Schaub? Um, <laughs> which is like, because Brendan Schaub had some comments against uh, Israel Adesanya. It's like, you're going to freak out over his opinion over Stylebender. And uh, you don't care about what other people think. It's like, come on, man. Don't, don't, be a, don't, be, don't be crazy. Of course you do. I just wonder with this. I, I just wonder with the Greg Hart thing, like, is he good enough? That's really what it comes down to. Obviously, we all see the athleticism. Um because to me, if I was Dana White, I would be like, all right, what is this guy going to be? What is he going to be? Because there is negative blowback that comes with having him on the roster. I think people booing him. And maybe that's just, you know, maybe that'll get eyeballs and not people turning away. But I do think it turned other people away. I, I do. I do think that. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that don't want to hear the story and don't want to hear about second chances and just want to say f greg hardy man there's plenty of people like that and you know from his perspective i think greg hardy has handled himself you know like a gentleman (laughs) in the media and i think he said the right things and has um dealt with every question that was thrown his way um but i don't think he's ready for that stage yet i think he needs a lot of i think he i think he needs cooking he needs a lot of cooking to get there. I really, really do. Anyway, we've uh, we've rambled on along here, plenty, plenty enough. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Uh, we'll guys, we'll talk to you guys not tomorrow. We'll talk to you tomorrow if you guys are listening to this on Sunday. Uh, we'll talk to you every weekday on the ticket from one until four on Tobin Leroy and Beast, or if you hear me on the morning show, do my shenanigans there. Um, but as far as this show, you know, here is every Sunday. Although, if you're listening onto this podcast episode, that means you listen on your own terms. So, I don't know what I'm saying. I think I'm a little delirious because I've been up since 3 o'clock watching fights. 
I'm gonna get off of here now. I love you. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.